These guys appreciate me springing on that, springing them on that at the last moment. But Pickens was supposed to sing tonight, but that's all right. I sprung it on him anyway. All right. We had a great time doing it. The Lord was good. And if you want to know where we did it, whether you know it or not, right over here, there's a million-dollar studio called Bates Brother, Bates Brother Recording Studio. I've seen studios in Nashville and Memphis, and none of them have anything on the on Gene and Eric, and if you want to know Bates Brothers, in two weeks, Patty will be back subbing for Dana because she'll be out. And uh, um, that's her husband, Eugene, that played the guitar for us one time. So kind of keep it all in the family. If you will, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're back in the um, Sermon on the Mount tonight. A message entitled, Light Your World. Matthew chapter 5. When you get there, just remain seated just for a moment. When I say light your world, it is interesting to me that the Bible begins, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, did you get that? Darkness was over the face of the deep. You know what that tells me? It tells me that God didn't have to invent darkness. Because darkness is. You know, by definition, and I'll give you this a couple times just to make sure it registers with us. Darkness is the absence of light. You see, just because God didn't invent it don't mean God don't control it. Y'all got what I'm telling you? Because if you read the Old Testament, you'll discover that, that darkness has become both a, a tool of judgment and a weapon in the hands of Almighty God. In, in Exodus, you'll go back and you'll read that ninth plague. What was it? I didn't think you were listening. That ninth plague was what? Since I've been talking about darkness, everybody said it together like you know. Darkness. That's right. It was so thick that, that they said you could touch it. Additionally, when, when Moses led the children of Israel out on their way and they came to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's coming behind them, God used darkness to separate them. Now, the Exodus passage says a cloud, but Joshua 24, when God speaks, he says he used darkness. And so you see the concept of darkness being developed in the Bible. And as you see it developed, you'll see darkness representing Lostness, darkness representing evil, darkness representing things like being needy. And then as you get into the New Testament, Jesus quotes the words of the prophet Isaiah, and he said, the people who walked in darkness. And the obvious question is, what people walked in darkness? And the answer is, Every person who has ever been born walked in darkness. In the Old Testament, they walked in darkness looking forward and longing forward to Jesus, the light of the world, to God's only Son coming and bringing some light in the world in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, people, and since the New Testament, since Jesus came, people walk in darkness looking and longing for the light that they can now discover And thus, the 
prophet was right when he said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And then you get to John chapter 1, and it says, And it says, The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness overcame it. And when you hear that, you come away with two truths. Number one is that in its natural state, this world is in darkness, both spiritually and even physically, without the light of our Father. The second truth you come away with is that Jesus is the light that is needed in this darkness. We need light in this world because our world is permeated by darkness. And it's getting darker, or it seems to be. Last Sunday morning, I spent 20 minutes of our message building a case about all the things that are causing the, is causing the darkness to return to America. Since the late 50s and early 60s, we've been cutting off. It's like we've been cutting off one light switch after another, turning a light out in this country. And we find that outside the church today, our culture is in a tailspin because, because they're stumbling in the darkness. You know what's so sad? Inside the church, the world don't see much light. If we're just honest, the world sees disunity and disharmony and, and sees infighting and sees hypocrisy and sees divorce and moral issues and sees a spirit of selfishness. I was reading on the internet today about some things and and I thought, my Lord, how can people really get this get this attitude from a people who are supposed to be purveyors of the light? I'll just tell you that today in this world we need some light. Let's see what Jesus said about this. If you will, stand together. Let's read these few verses together. I pick up in verse 14. Jesus speaks and he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. Now, in that same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, speak words today that we need to hear. Take your servant out of the equation <clears throat> and translate your words from your throne through your spirit by your power to your people in Jesus name we pray amen thank you, you may be seated it does not take a brain surgeon it does not take a theologian it does not take someone really smart to read this scripture and realize that our Lord Jesus, in his opening sermon, was trying to give an answer to the world. An answer that was needed. We may come back to the previous verse talking about salt at a later time. 
But now we're just talking about light. Into this world of darkness where the people walked in darkness. We have been called to light our world. To bring light to the dark places. To make straight the crooked ways. To bring the mountains down. To bring the valleys up. So that people can find their way to our Father. There's just four simple thoughts I want to give to you today. First of all, I want to begin with our problem. Now, it says see our problem. And here's what I want to tell you. If we don't see it, we won't act on it. Four things we need to see. If we don't see it, we won't act on it. It's interesting that the only way you can see something is to put some light on it in darkness. See our real problem. And our real problem is simply this. The world's in darkness. The world's walking in darkness. And when the world walks in darkness, it's dangerous. When the world walks in darkness, lives in darkness, when the world drives in darkness, it's dangerous. Have you ever driven a car with no lights at night? Now, some of you say yes. Most of you won't. Let me tell you about my experience. It's as fresh today as it was when I was 17 years old in 1971. It was uh, July the 3rd, 1971, South Mississippi. We received a 74-mile-an-hour wind that day. just blew up. Now, 74-mile-an-hour wind is, for, and I understand you're the tornado people, but I'm the hurricane people, okay? 74-mile-an-hour is one mile an hour shy of being a hurricane-force wind. We had a 74-mile-an-hour wind that day. We were in... Our home was Purvis. We were 30 miles down the road at Columbia. There were no pagers. There were no, uh, uh, there were no uh, uh, cell phones, anything like that. My dad worked for the phone company like Ken Eddings does, except dad was on the line crew and did some service work when he needed to. And we were in Columbia. When we came back home, <coughs> I remember so clearly it was July 3rd because we were coming back home to, have a, to grill out and have a party. Y'all got what I'm telling you? Saturday afternoon. We got back home about uh, 3 o'clock, and uh, Dad said, you get the grill ready. I'm going to run down to the office and get some ice. Well, he gets down to the office, and, and his boss said, I don't think we've got a light on in our whole deal. We need Everybody else is already out. We haven't been able to find you. You need to go out. And Daddy said, <clears throat> okay, who's going with me? And the boss just looked at him. And uh, they knew, they didn't like it, but they knew that I went out with Dad, did some calls from time to time, and... And uh, Dad had already called me. I, I know then Dad picked up the phone, called me to come get the ice, that he had to go to work. And they told him he didn't have anybody. And Mr. German said, uh, why don't you take Jerry with you? We'll pay him. They never paid me before. So that was a good deal, I thought, until I got into this thing. We left the office. We left the yard that day in this truck. At 5 o'clock, we did not drive back onto the yard the next day afternoon until 3 o'clock, 23 hours straight. I thought I was a man till that night. I'm going to tell you, that brought me to my knees. Because what we were doing, we were going out, <clears throat> we are cutting trees off lines, we were piecing lines back together, we were energizing the lines, getting, uh, getting the power back to everybody, and it, we, we went from one to another. When darkness fell, this truck, and this was a very chintzy co-op that Dad worked for, this truck <clears throat> had not been taken care of well, and we had a weak battery. Now, remember that the co-op dad worked for was not urban like here. This was rural. 
<clears throat> and so there were no street lights except what they had put up at individual houses. But here's what we had to do. Dad would turn on the light to go on from here, this stretch of road, so we'd turn them off and we'd drive in the dark. And then he'd go, wait, you know, we're getting, let me turn them back on. He'd go, no, now I know, I gotta get a new bearing now. So he'd get a new bearing and then he'd have to turn them back on, on and off. And I remember being petrified that in that big old digger truck, we were going to be standing upside down in some kind of ditch and the snakes were going to be coming in biting us and we're going to be dead. Driving in the dark, I don't know about you, but it's frightening. In fact, you know, we don't know a whole lot about darkness here in the city anymore <clears throat> because we never have any darkness. I carried some uh, Pensacola teenagers. I think I probably told you about this. I carried some Pensacola teenagers to northern rural Mississippi. And the only time in my whole ministry as a choir director, uh, Whitney, the only time I had to do this, I had to move a couple of them because they had gone out on the backside of nowhere in a trailer where there was no, they were scared to death. They just knew something was going to get them. We're not accustomed to darkness. And yet spiritual darkness permeates us. As I've already said, since the 1950s, we've been turning lights off. We've been turning lights off, and, we, and we're stumbling in America. Every court ruling, it seems, that, that is significant, is turning us away from our foundation roots, turning us away from the light. Every election, just about, every attitudinal change in this country is driving us to darkness once again. To walk in darkness to live in darkness, to be overcome by darkness is dangerous and even gets to the point of desperation. I don't know if you feel desperate yet in our nation, but I'm beginning to. Just listen. Houston, Texas was not an aberration. Fortunately, they backed off. But it's coming down the pike, and it may come in your lifetime, and you thought that it would ne- you'd never see it in our lifetime. That's our problem, darkness. But I want you to see, when this country is the darkest, I want you to, number two, see our provision. See our provision. Now, here's what I'm going to say to you. People think, oh, this is a terrible time to be a follower of Christ in the light of the world because, because things are so bad. Listen. Do you know when a little light shines the brightest? When it's darkest. All we have to do is shine a light. Jesus says, here's your provision, you are the light of the world. I'll repeat this again in a second. If you put it in the full context of his message, this is what he says. He says, as long as I'm in the world... I'll be the light of the world, but when I leave the world, I'm leaving the light part to you. You've got to shine in the darkness. And now, we've been given exactly what this world needs. You can go to 1 John, and this is what he says. John writes, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, 
forgives us from all sin. Brothers and sisters, this world is looking for an answer. And please listen. When we catch on to this, we are the answer. You are the light of the world. Now, what does light do? What does light do? I'm going to suggest to you two, three things. First of all, light illuminates. Now, you, oh, duh, Brother Jerry, light illuminates. Remember? Do you remember the definition? Talk back to it. Do you remember the definition of darkness? Absence of light. So, here's the deal, is that John opens his word with the gospel. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, without him. Uh, all things were made by him, without him were not made. Uh, anything made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome. Here's what I'm going to tell you. When light shows up, darkness runs away. Can I say that again? When light shows up, darkness runs away. If you walk into a room and you turn on a light... Darkness is gone. The only place you can find any darkness is in the shadows, behind furniture, what have you. Because light is powerful. Think about it this way. Jesus said that this world would know us by our love. And when the light of his love is present, the darkness of hate and evil and wickedness is gone when the his light when the light of his truth is shining the dark from the father of darkness and the father of lies disappears when the light of his gospel is shining the darkness of eternal punishment and eternal hopelessness is removed <clears throat> by the way Neither the father of evil, the father of darkness, nor the followers of evil, the followers of darkness, like the light. Because when people of the light expose their dark deeds, people know them for what they are. The greatest illustration that I've seen is kind of a sad one, so don't anybody get up and run out. I remember when we were living in a church-owned house one time. I've told you this story. This, this man walked into an uh, exotic animal store, and they said, what do you want? He said, well, I have this unusual order. I need one million cockroaches. I need seven dozen rats. I need... Uh, three squirrels, and I need two snakes. He said, it'll take me a couple of weeks. He said, that's all right. Went back, paid the man, got everything loaded up. And the man said, um, can I just ask you, this is the most unusual order I've ever filled. What, what is this for? And he said, well, he said, I'm the pastor down the road, and I live in a pastorium, and I'm leaving, and the deacons told me, I bloody well better leave that house just like I found it, so I'm going to. Wasn't quite that bad, but I do remember when we were living in a house, we walked in one of the first nights we were there, and we turned on the light, and the cockroaches run. Has that ever happened to you? 
You know why? Because they don't like the light. That's how the father of evil, the father of lies, and the follow, followers of evil and the followers of lies respond when the light is turned on so that they can be seen. Light illuminates so that we can see. But also light invades. Did you know that? Light invades the darkness. The very reason that light overcomes the darkness is because light is not afraid to confront the darkness. You do know that light and darkness cannot coexist. You do know that, don't you? Oh, it's a nice thought. No, no more than good and evil or right and wrong can coexist. It just won't happen because light is not passive. It is active and it overcomes darkness and, and it overtakes darkness and it sends darkness dry and drives them away. But the only way for light to overcome, the only way for light to overtake is for light to confront. And it will illuminate and it will expose the places of darkness. Now, have you seen yet why we need light so much in this world? Why Christ has told us to be light and why we need to be that light? You see, the, the truth is light illuminates everybody and every motivation, every work for what it really is. I'm going to surprise you. There are people today that want you to believe, want us to believe that they're honorable. But if you really know the truth of where they come from, if you turn the light on it, they're not. There's a selfish agenda. There's a selfish need. The Bible says, Rather than the light, men love the darkness. Because it covers their wickedness. It's interesting to me as an individual. No scientific data to prove this. But it's interesting to me that the more we become night people as a culture, the more immoral and the more evil we become. And I believe it's that principle in the Bible. That's why men love the darkness, because you think you can get away with in the darkness, but you can't get away with the light. This world walks in darkness, and they need light. Those are two pretty uh, nasty things that light can do to evil. I mean, they're great. Light illuminates. I like seeing. Do you like seeing? Okay. I'm going to pretend like we're Mount Sinai. Could you say amen? Do you like seeing? Well, thank you. That's weak, but... Light invades. Light invades the darkness and changes things around. I kind of like that. But the third thing I want to tell you about light is this. Light invites. Light invites. If you're walking through the woods at night and you see a campfire, where do you go? Walk through the woods at night you see a lantern, where do you go? In fact, I dare say if you get on the creek bank or the lake, Side and you start a fire, you better watch what come, what's crawling up out of the water. Y'all understand what I'm telling you? 
Does everybody know you act like you're, you get, we call him no shoulders. Because everybody's attracted to the light. You see, here's the truth. God is the light. And we're reflections of his light. And when we reflect his light, people are drawn. Because the light has illuminated darkness. It has invaded darkness. And it has invited everybody into the light. God invites everyone into the light. And he invites us to be the light. So now, see number three, his plan. See his plan. Look down in verse 14. This is pretty clear. I didn't have to study long to see this. His plan is you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you. You are the light of the world. Or it is said, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light. But when I leave the world, I'm going to leave you to be the light. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that light and I want you to let it shine so that people may see your good works. That means you're working and that through your good works, you'll be able to direct them to your Father in heaven. That's something we have to get in our, in our psyche is that when we do something of honor and worth, that we give glory to the Father who gave us the power to do it. We don't take the credit for ourselves. We point people to Him. You see, our Lord's plan is for you and me to shine our lights in such a way that people will want to come into a warm, safe, protective, loving, secure environment that is embraced by His love, His life, and His light. I'm sad to report That today, many in this world think the world's darkness is more inviting than our light. Basically, in our culture, and I'll just say this, in many, in many fronts, not everywhere, but in many fronts, we are living in the last verse of the book of Judges. And in those days, there were no king in Israel. In these days, there's no king in our lives. So everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Some people ask, oh, you know, that sounds pretty good. And then we'll go back to this morning about having your life in order. People say, well, that's good because, man, that means you can do like you want, like you like, Mike. And that appears to be okay. Well, I can just tell you, appearances can be deceiving. Let me tell you what this world will do. When we cave to this world and we're not shining God's light into this world, we're not His light for this world. And, and we become a part of this world. Remember the enemy-friend principle? If you're, if you're an enemy of the world, you can be a friend of God. If you're, if you're an enemy of God, you'll be a friend of the world. You remember that? Is that the truth is, when we, when we become a friend of the world, we have lost our light. We have lost our ability to draw. We have lost our ability to illuminate. We've lost our ability to share Christ's love. And when we've lost that, and now we're a part of the world, here's what happens. The world will do us and treat us 
just like it did that prodigal son when he was in the far country. Please listen. As long as you can pay the bill, as long as you can provide the party, as long as you can do what they want you to do, you're the man. But when you run out, there's the pig pen. Slop the pigs. That's the way the world treats will treat everybody, not just you, not just me. That's the world. Use us up. And as I heard a guy say one time, use us up and then throw us over the shoulder like a crinkled up Coke can. But you know what the truth is? God's plan is for us. God's plan is for us. Today, God's will and God's need is for us to shine His light in this world. It's not our light. It's His. We're not like the sun, S-U-N, that is the source of the light. We are more like the moon and the stars to which the source of light shines on them and they reflect for others to see. That's what we're to be about. You see, when we reflect His light, they see Him. We reflect His light when people see us. It's not selfish. It's not stingy. It's sensitive. We reflect His light when we go out of our way and we inconvenience ourselves to help someone. We reflect His light when we share our life, when we share our help, when we, when we go out of our way to touch those who need it. We reflect His light when we lovingly but firmly stand on His truth. Reflecting His light is not going along and getting along. We reflect His light, watch this, when we intentionally befriend people. Not for the sake of putting another notch on our spiritual belt, but when we, when we intentionally befriend people and we make a new friend for the express purpose of being able to share our faith with them. You see, that's just plan. I don't care what you call it, just one truth after another at a time. Sharing his hope, sharing his help, sharing his light, and offering people his life. Our world so desperately needs us to be about that. Somebody asked me, where is our church? Brother Jerry, where is your church located? My response is, on Sunday they gather in a building at 3000 Dwayne Avenue in Hueytown. But during the week, they're all across Birmingham. And if that's the truth, then we're sharing his light all across Birmingham. I'm just going to mention this last thing. We saw our problem. We saw our provision. We saw his plan. Now see his problem. His problem. He's given us all that he has to give. He's given us the best that he has to give in his son. He's given us a new life. 
He's given us a new direction. He's given us a new destination. He's given us a new hope. He's given us a new home. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his precious word. He's even given us each other collectively to be his bride one day. But he's done that for us to become his light in this world. Jesus himself brought the light of the good news of the gospel from heaven when he stepped over the banister of heaven and he descended the stairway of stars and through the little womb of a little virgin girl, he burst into this, into this world. He stepped over the stars. At his birth, there was a star there, a light. When he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, once again, the three disciples saw the light. When he resurrected again, there was light that we could see, that we could know, that we could be. He calls us to shine in our everyday life. Are you shining? If somebody sees your life, will they find the God you serve and the Christ who saved you? If not, Why not? Let's pray. Father, we need you because we know this world needs you. This world needs you to empower us so that we can light your world. Father, give us the give us the inner drive, the inner passion, the inner focus to not compromise truth, but share it with those who so desperately need it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our altar is going to be open. Our altar is going to be open for you. We're going to stand and sing draw me close to you. I pray that it'll be your time of decision and reflection. You come, I'll be here. Let's stand, let's sing and you respond. Draw me close to you Yeah.